1: This is a new black podcast. I'm your host Ace Boogie. My co-host Zim Hude is here as well. Zim, say what's
2: up. How's it going, people?
1: And we have a special guest on today, man. I was so glad that we were able to get him on. Uh, as you guys know, I'm at New Stripe City on YouTube. I had to bring on my man Quincy of Worst Take um, to <laughs> give us the Browns' insight because I love hearing this dude talk about the Browns. We've been on several roundtables before with each other, so it was only right. Quincy, let them know where
0: they can find your stuff, man. Hey, what is up guys? Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, you can find my stuff on YouTube. Just search Quincy Carrier, Q U I N C Y, uh, C A R R I E R on the YouTube search bar, you'll see a bunch of videos I put up. Um you'll see a picture of me looking surprised. Hit the subscribe button next to that. Tons of great content for Browns fans. But also if you're just a fan of NFL football, I talk about a lot of just general NFL football as well. We do it all, we have fun, um, and I think I've put out a good product. So uh, check it out.
1: Yeah, definitely check it out. But, Zim, I know we're bringing him on because it's Browns week, so go ahead and ask this man some questions about the Cleveland Browns.
2: Well, 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 Mr. Brown, here we are. <laughs> right now. I want to thank you again for coming on the show. Can you tell everybody where they can um, you know, find you at, uh, whether it be on Twitter um, uh, I want you to plug that again, just so
0: people oh, yeah. don't, you know, miss that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram I'm at worst underscore take. Um, on Twitter, I know it's all supposed to be uniform, but I I, I forgot to do it. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow me at Q- Quincy, K-W-E-N underscore C. Uh, and then on YouTube, again, this is my actual name, Quincy Carrier, it's the best way to find me on there. Because uh, some dude named B-Souls, who covers the NBA, also has a series called Worst Take, and he's more popular than me, so do not the worst take. <laughs> well, hopefully, after this
2: time today, we will elevate you to the level where we will overtake this guy that I've never even heard of. So, that's cool. Let's start right. off by this. I want to say that before we even begin this, before the season went, I was pretty much – I wasn't on the Super Bowl Brown train, and I'm still on the Browns train because of one guy named Baker, Baker, Baker Mayfield. To this day, I still stand behind Baker Mayfield. As we are at this point in the season, how do you feel about Baker Mayfield? Because, to me, it all starts with the quarterback. Do you feel like that's a a big proponent of your winning or losing? How do you feel about him overall?
0: Overall, I feel like Baker Mayfield is playing like somebody who's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. He's just in his second year. Um, And I think one of the mistakes that the Browns made, and I think a lot of people made, including myself, is that we thought that Baker Mayfield was going to be ready to make this Patrick Mahomes level jump or this, you know, Lamar Jackson level jump in year two. And he hasn't been able to do that. They've given him more responsibility. They've put a lot of stuff in his hands and, you know, he's not ready or at that point in his career where he can overcome some of the things that he's had to overcome in order to be great in that way. Um, you know, so in that way, yes, he has disappointed, but like on to but then it gets to a level with a lot of people where they wanna go and call him a bust or say say all kind of like wild things about him. And I just don't think that's true on that end either. I think Baker is going to be a very good quarterback. He's always, I think he's going to be you know, anywhere from a top 10 to top 5 kind of fringe dude um, in the league. Um, and I think he's going to have a very long, good career in the NFL. Does he have some problems that I worry about? Of course, he can be streaky with his accuracy. Like when he's on, he is freakishly accurate. But sometimes he can just be head-scratchingly off-target, and that drives you a little nuts sometimes. Yeah, his decision-making, he's going to be risky, but you knew that when you drafted Baker Mayfield. You know, you don't draft somebody who gets compared to Brett Favre and expect him to throw check-downs all the time. So I don't get that criticism of him. But, you know, the one thing I will say with Baker that I have noticed throughout um, his career – and even in his early parts of the NFL career that I do feel like it's going to become a bigger storyline next year in the years upcoming when he's playing better football with better teams and bigger moments is I have noticed, and this is me speaking as a Browns fan, that even at Oklahoma, um, he has not been that dude in the final drive, like a Deshaun Watson or even like Andrew Luck has. And I do worry about that deficiency getting in the way um, as he continues on. You know, now there are a lot of great quarterbacks who aren't really known for those great moments, but, you know, those are – we do decide a lot about, well, you know, it's the difference between how we look at Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning. In some people's eyes, which is like a Hall of Fame they're, level they're difference.
2: winning and losing, for sure. Yeah,
0: and that that is something that I do worry about, and I do worry that it's going to become a legitimate talking point with Baker Mayfield in the future. But um, I do think he's going to be around and be a topic in this league for like the next ten, fifteen years.
2: For sure, and from my standpoint, I guess I'm I'm looking at it from the outside end. And coming from where you guys were and then inserting Baker Mayfield into it now, I think the expectation level just rose to a a whole new level. And mm. I think, for me, I'm a little bit more patient with the quarterback position in that regard, especially early on. So, to me, he's right where, I, where in line where, where I thought he probably would be. I thought he would probably get more production from some of the the key spots around him, maybe? Maybe you mm-hmm. can speak on that. Do you feel like they're, they're properly utilizing OBJ? Do you think they're properly utilizing... One thing that they don't talk about, too, is the injury to Joker was mm-hmm. huge to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, nobody brings that up, right? <laughs> in fact, David is the number one tight end, and the guy who was supposed to be... You know, I did a video in the off season saying that there were two things that could hold this offense back. The offensive line and David and Joku not developing into a top tight end. I thought those are the two things that were going to hold this offense back, and those are the two things that have held this offense back. Um, if you look at what Kansas City does and how they overwhelm folks when they had Sammy Watkins and, and Ty – and uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, but he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. But, you know, when they had them – Travis Kelsey was a huge part in that. Why, whenever you watch Chiefs games, Patrick Mahomes is never throwing into a tight window because that is the thing that puts the offense in the, over the tipping point. And, you know, David Njoku has not been out there. And I think that has been a huge thing because he's the only dude that's big enough also in that wide receiving core. When you have Jarvis Landry and Odell as your main two receivers, they're not big guys who can, you know, muscle in the end zone and complete some of these drives and get some of these tough first downs. You know, like, it's all the little stuff there that's really been hurting this offense. Yeah, and it's like if you look at the big stuff, like the big picture overall, like, we can say how bad Odell Beckham is, but it's really a testament to how good his portfolio is. Is that this dude's gonna break a thousand yards this season, and people are gonna talk about him like he just like like he was Randy Moss in Oakland, um, like you know, and it's like what when then when we talk about Odell, we don't talk about some of the things that he brings just by being Odell, um, that helps the offense. Like Jarvis Landry's gonna have a career year this year. He's already at 919 yards, five touchdowns. Um, you know, he's finally getting recognized as one of the better wide receivers in the league. Well, not finally, but he's getting more respect as one of the better wide receivers in the league, Um, and that's all because Odell gets him more open than he used to be. Because last year that wasn't the case with Jarvis. And then also you have to look at, like, look at what Saquon Barkley is doing in New York now without the presence of Odell Beckham. He's averaging 60 yards per game on the rushing game. Now, he's injured – some people are blaming his offensive line, which is wild because they won't give that excuse to the Cleveland Browns, even though we traded them our best offensive linemen. But so that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. Um.
2: And, 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 and that's the thing that people bring up a lot to me is that they feel like you traded off the O line to go with talent with OBJ. And that's what kind of led me to that question to say, like, okay, with that being in store, are you properly utilizing OBJ? Because him getting free uh, space for other wide receivers, I do think it's really important. But do you think they're probably utilizing them with the scheme if you're going to trade away an offensive line that is that important to the offense originally?
0: See, I don't think trading Kevin Zeitler was as big as a deal as people want it to be because, like, yeah, the problem with the Browns is the offensive line. And, sure, our replacement for Kevin Zeitler is not great, Um, but our real problem has been we just haven't been able to have consistent tackle play at the right tackle position more than it has been with the right guard like if you watch the Browns a lot of what you see is just pass rushers blowing past the right tackle and sandwiching in on Baker Mayfield forcing him to either cut the field in half and run to his right or left um, or having to rush a throw and it gets tipped at the line of scrimmage and like intercepted or something like that those are the things that are killing the Browns honestly and you know like keeping Kevin Zidler like Sure, would have made a smaller difference, yeah, but, like, you know, how much of a difference could he make? Your running back has over 12,000, almost 1,200 yards on the season, and it's week 14, you know. Like, that's really what Kevin Zeitler was really good at, was the run game, run blocking, and it's not really affected that because OBJ kind of takes a lot of the attention and makes it impossible to stack the box, especially when we have Jarvis Landry on the other side. So, like, that that's really where that – area of the game would be affected the most, and, you know, no Kevin Zyler being there has not been where that impact has. It's been the tackles. John Dorsey Mm -hmm. didn't value that position enough in free agency to put some money there or draft somebody, and that's what's been us in the ass this whole season.
2: And I think that, moving forward, I feel like that's one of the things that might hinder some of the the progression, along with the actual – I look at – I do pay attention to you guys because if you do go into a new direction, which kind of leads me to my next question, is if Kitchens or or any of the coordinators out it, then Baker will be on his fourth old, old, old coordinator. And mm-hmm. to me, those things aren't taken into account. But overall, like when Ace contacted me last week and we talked on the show and we had a discussion about it, he walked away from it saying, yeah, their offensive line is trash." Mm -hmm. That was that was the number one thing that he said to me, and so moving forward, it's hard to pay these guys that you guys have and still fix the line at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I just I think um, they need to probably just draft some linemen. I think that'd be like the short term solution. Like (laughs) that's what you could do under the (laughs) cap. (laughs) 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 You better hit, because I'm going yeah. to
1: you this. Right, right. will be right. there looking like, whoa. Looking crazy. Like, I, I totally agree with what Quincy is saying, though, about Kevin Zeidler because it's almost crazy because, like, them, we come from, like, a similar situation where, we kind of had the same issue, right? Like, when we had Cedric O'Boyhee and we had John Ross and all of these guys, like, everybody was going crazy because it was like, oh, we got A.J. Green, John Ross, Joe Mixon, like, Tyler Eifer, who's going to stop these guys? And who ended up stopping us was the offensive line. And I can completely agree with Quincy about Zeitler. Like, I remember a lot of our fans being like, oh, we should have never let Witt and Zeitler go. I definitely felt the Witt thing. I didn't feel the Zeitler thing because when we had Zeitler there, like the offensive line was still bad that last year. Zeitler was was there or whatever because right next to him was Cedric Oboehe. So I can Mm -hmm. definitely sympathize with Quincy because Cedric Oboehe was complete garbage. So it didn't matter whether Kevin Zeitler was next to him or not. Like those DNs, like you said, were just killing him off of the edge every single play. So I think when they traded him – yeah, I think when they traded Kevin Zeitler, I didn't I didn't think that that was bad for them because I think, like Quincy said, I think their issues are the tackles. And the reason that I said that the, that the uh, offensive line looked trash to me is exactly what he said. I was watching that Pittsburgh game. I actually put some money on the Browns, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to put the money on the Browns here. And then I just saw, like, that Steelers, those Steelers' defensive ends and pass rushers like Bud Dupree and T.J. White, they're no joke like, this year. Yeah, there's no joke. I had to get on their props. Like, the Steelers definitely got better on defense. But I saw exactly what Quincy said because I was like, man, I'm just sitting there waiting for Baker to, like, take over, waiting for OBJ to take over. And it's like as soon as he's taking snaps in the shotgun, it's like these defensive ends are in his face. So I could definitely relate to what he was saying there.
0: Yeah, it's like if you whenever they give Baker time, Dallas, like even in the Pittsburgh game, like when they gave him time, he was able to set his feet and make a throw. He was actually pretty good in that game. It just is – there's so many times where he got flushed out, he got forced out, or, you know, there's there's so much – so much bad you, offensive line you play you for the tackle. You know
2: who you sound like right now? You sound like dog lovers all over the world right now because I'm going <laughs> to tell you this. Early on, you can say that, but if you, if you find yourself – I'm just giving you a mental note right now. If you find yourself saying that a year or two from now, you got a problem because early yeah. on, that was a thing where I was saying that, too, making it, like, I'm not even going to call it making excuses. I'm just telling you what I saw. But then he got shell-shocked. Two years, three years later, he's seeing ghosts, and he's got these stuttering feet. You know how you're saying, like, yeah, sometimes he comes up there a little inaccurate. That's exactly what Dalton does. The adrenaline gets the pumping. He's thinking stuff is there. He's overthrowing, underthrowing, mainly underthrowing. But he goes through these different motions. But it didn't happen until a couple years of bad offensive line play. But early on, he had the offensive line. Baker had an O-line last year as well. And I, that's why I said, what, what do you think? Somebody's going to have to go, I think, moving forward. Somebody's not going to be there that you think. Because free agency, with will, will offensive line to me, based on the last five years of being a Bengals fan, I just don't have any faith in the draft with O-line because it's, it's almost like a lost art and all of these college teams get into these spread offices, when they get to the NFL, it's really hard to hit on those guys unless mm-hmm. they're just right in your face like Mike McGlinchey. So you got to go get that money and, like, spend it in O-line play. And that's the that's one of the biggest detriments of the Bengals in the last couple of years is that they were cheap in free agency. They didn't go out and get any O-line. They drafted really, really high on their O-line, man. even uh, last year with the first-round draft, say Billy Price, and they didn't hit it sets you back. And so now we're sitting here with all these weapons. I would argue that we have more weapons than you if you combine all of these guys. But it doesn't mean anything because you got a quarterback that's now shell shot, shell shot, and then you got an offensive line that is below average. Mm. Yeah. So moving forward. Oh, go ahead. I oh, know. You go ahead. I was going to say, moving forward, what are some things that you think standing out that you think can improve? Do you think that you have a shot, maybe an outside shot? Because I do think you guys do have the chance to handle business coming up this Sunday. But do you think you have any outside shot at making the playoffs? And then, moving forward, if you don't make the playoffs, if you are the GM, you are on the clock, what is your plan?
0: I mean, like, this. Yeah, so the playoffs are a possibility, so they're technically not. That's kind of how I rotate, roll with that. But, like, I think – you know winning in Pittsburgh last week would have gave the Browns to had you know a small opportunity to have their destiny in their own hand, like essentially they would have just have to win every game they are in. That would have been tough, but that would have been you know a very tangible road to the playoffs Now you gotta hope for other things to happen in order for you to get in and then different tiebreakers mm-hmm. and it comes it becomes almost impossible to project at this point. But if you're the Browns, there's really no point in losing at this point. So, you know, it's it's pretty much just keep winning. Um and yeah, and finish let it nine, carry
2: on to the next year,
0: right? Yeah. Finish nine and seven and see where you are at the end of the day. Um, if that gets you into the playoffs, it's great. You know, try to so win. You're the game. winning out.
2: You're gonna win out. Is there, are we getting that live here on the on the podcast? Or did the new black Quincy is saying that you're gonna win out?
0: I don't know man. I I I don't trust this. I don't trust this coach's staff yet uh to beat the Ravens at full raven because like the, we beat them in week 4 in Baltimore but like they wasn't they wasn't full like this. They wasn't going like they are going now. But I don't know. They could slow down by week 16. Like I think I I think the Ravens got to have hit some kind of peak at some point. Like they beat good teams by like Fifty, like I don't know how much better football you can play than that, but you know that that,
2: that, that maybe you can't stop them. It, it's gotta be it's gotta be a game where they're having bad weather and it's got to, in in which they just had. It's gotta be a bad weather game where you now you're limiting them to just running, and then you gotta you gotta be able to do something like turnovers or special teams because time of possession they're gonna control that every single game that they have. So when your offense is out there, you cannot go three and out with the Ravens. That is one thing that you cannot do.
0: Yeah, and I think I think the one, like, the Browns beat them earlier. I think the one thing you can take away from that is, one, like having a Miles Garrett-type dude probably helps. Um, and we're not going to have Miles Garrett for that game. But also, um, like – I you do. going to get it. into Miles Garrett today. I'm not doing that <laughs> conversation today. I'm so worn out. Oh, I'm that. gonna. I
1: gotta. I gotta hear some of that. I gotta.
2: But but hold on. Like Ace, where, like I was so mad. Me and Ace, I, I went. I I had this episode where I went on this crazy rant because I was so angry that the narrative on the game was Miles Garrett, right? And the narrative on that game is that you guys dominated the Steelers. So when I go to sleep and I'm waking up, I'm thinking everybody's going to be saying the Steelers are trash, but all we're talking about is a stupid helmet. I cannot get over that to this day. I'm like, why is it when the Steelers lose, the narrative is like something that had nothing to do with the game. But if they it's win, crazy,
0: right? you see nothing but well, this-
2: highlights. The- I cannot stand that. That like drove me insane.
0: It is crazy, right? How like when the Steelers lose, nobody like the Steelers got. They control guys,
2: the media. They... they control the media, bro. Like I'm, I'm that's that's the thing idiot. that drove
0: me nuts with it was that like before they that game, be I... I
2: should be waking up as a Browns fan saying like we killed these guys, right? But Man. you're waking up talking about Miles
0: Garrett. Man. It's a travesty. He could have killed like, somebody. It's like, okay, <laughs> we're going there. All right, buddy. Well, they, I mean, what's his name? Rudolph
2: could have killed somebody grabbing balls like
0: that. Yeah. You, you're, you're hurting. Rudolph people. almost <laughs> killed both his wide receivers in that game. Legitimately. Yeah. He threw a ball that got somebody hit so hard, that blood bleeding out their ear. Okay. Yeah, that was crazy. I saw yeah. but it's, it's like, it's crazy how like You know, before that game, people were like, oh, my God. Like, you guys heard all the hype about the Steelers' defense. They got two Defensive Player of the Year candidates on that defense, right? Two Defensive Player of the Year candidates. Even though the San Francisco 49ers might be the best defense I've seen in the last decade. They only got one Defensive Player of the Year candidate. They got two, though, on Pittsburgh. Okay. Okay. Baker so, gets three touchdowns on the no interceptions. Everybody told me that Mika Fitzpatrick and, and T.J. Watt were going to get all this steel, all this crap that the Steelers fans say. And it didn't happen. And then after that game, nobody talks about it. And then what they do, they go, well, we didn't think the Steelers are good. It's like, you just told me y'all had two defensive players of the year. Yeah, yeah, okay, y'all told me okay, y'all was the okay. 2000 Ravens defense. But y'all got beat." And then they win the one game at home in Pittsburgh, and then they're like, She same old Browns. Like, y'all still
2: split the series, baby." Like, <laughs> just to wake up, just to wake up to some twelve-year-old telling you about six rings.
0: Yeah, six rings. Like, okay, like, no, There's the always some little
2: kids. Ace, let me <laughs> ask you this. Let's, let's talk about the game just a little bit. Ace, mm-hmm. what do you have? Um, what do you think are some things that we could uh, highlight? Crazy, as far as like your expectations for Sunday who do you think that the Browns should be worried about is there anybody from the Browns that you think that the Bengals just don't have an answer for
1: oh i mean i think if we if we start off looking at the Browns um i've been a huge Jarvis Landry fan before he was he was even in Cleveland um i think that he's going to be a problem for our linebackers um he's definitely a guy that I look for um for as a threat i think you also talk about the emergence of Kareem Hunt coming back now with Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. two great running backs. Obviously, our weakness is linebacker. Um, seeing if we can actually stop those guys is going to be, you know, monumental. I think. Uh, outside of that, I think them losing Miles Garrett is going to bode well for us, especially with us having Cordy Glenn back. Um, John Watts, I think, is going to be a problem. Um, A lot of people kind of forgot about John Ross, but, like, he was really exploding earlier in the year until Mm -hmm. he had his chest injury. And, unfortunately, the Red Rifle is back, as we know. And (laughs) him having having John Ross, him having Auden Tate and Tyler Bloyd, I think a lot of people kind of overlook the Bengals receiving core because we don't have A.J. Green, but it's talented. Man, man. I love that. That's that's the strong point. Like, Auden Tate is, like, Uh, some crazy, like, circus-catching dude or whatever. You combine that with John Ross, so I think they'll have to worry about that. Uh, Joe Mixon, he's kind of finding his way here. Like, obviously, the offensive line has kind of hurt us, but like I said, with Cordy Glenn being back, that kind of helps us. I think that this is, like, if you were to ask me two weeks ago, I was, I would have told you that the Browns were going to sweep us. But once they decided to make the decision to – bench Ryan Finley, throw Dalton back in there, and the fact that they've made, like, some adjustments, especially the defensive coordinator, Lou Arumu, I think that um, we're going to actually be a little bit better. And I think that the Browns should also watch out for our defensive line that's finally starting to pick up some steam here. The last three weeks, Carl Lawson is coming back, which that's been huge. And I'm kicking myself in the face because I was criticizing Carl Lawson earlier this year on the podcast. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just murdering people right now. And then Carlos Dunlap is coming off of a three-stack game. Last 11 week,
2: pressures in the last three games. Yeah, so this, this
1: defensive line. I mean, line, I'm sorry, like, 11 pressures just last week. I think that this this bows this bows well for us and then the the X factor I think really just from watching the Pittsburgh and Browns game is that I noticed that Baker had the injury where, you know, one of the Steelers guys hit his hand on that. I'm not sure like what that's gonna do. Like if somebody ends up stacking them and hurting that hand, I don't know what that means for the Browns. So I think from that standpoint, it just seemed to me like when I was watching that game on the last like the last uh, drive that the Steelers had, right, to me the Browns were still in it, but, like, they panned to, like, the sideline, and they kind of showed Baker Mayfield and the guys, and they didn't even seem like – I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Quincy, but it didn't seem like they had that energy that was like, we're going to go out and win. It just kind of seemed like they were kind of frustrated. So, I don't know what that means that they have, in a sense, not, not necessarily given up, but it's like I wanted to see that energy from them and I didn't see it. And like, if I compare energies between what I saw with the Bengals last week, because I've seen that energy before. We've seen it plenty this season, being 0 and 11. But mm. it seems like the energies are kind of switched um, as well. So I think that that could bode well for us. But I don't know that if I had to, if I had to say right now, I think out of these next two games between the Bengals and the Browns, I would say that it was it would be split. Whereas if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would have said the Browns would have swept this.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's closer to that. Uh, I I think um if the Browns have the same issues with their offensive line, which they shouldn't cuz they're getting Greg Robinson. I don't even know if they're getting Greg Robinson back this week cuz he was in concussion protocol. So it might be just the same uh mess exactly. on the You're offensive that. line. And I think You're uh that. you talked about how the they the, the offense looked depleted or on the sidelines. Let me let me tell you why cuz they was watching that defensive line get absolutely Zero penetration last week, and there's no excuse why they were that terrible against the Steelers' offensive line last week. The Browns had one sack and two tackles for loss last week. That's like a normal Nick Bosa day. Like that's (laughs) the whole defense. Everybody in that was the Bengals for the whole season. (laughs) They were just getting pushed around, and it's like that. That stuff's deflating when you can't. Get to somebody, and you're allowing somebody like Duck to have a decent day because your defensive line is just inept. Like they and they, right. they shouldn't be because they have Sheldon Richardson, they have Olivier Vernon. Like I know Miles Garrett isn't there, but right. you know Larry Joby, Those are three guys who are supposed to be decent, and it's just like they're 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 playing all like complete scrubs out there. Um, half the game, they didn't even have. Half the starters who aren't even half the starters in on the defensive line, and it was just, it was just, it was just mind-boggling how how that game folded out. Because I, you know, one of the things I think happens a lot with like Twitter is like certain thir- certain things become cool to like hate on, and like you know, it's like oh, it's funny to like make jokes about whatever. Like I'm pretty sure like you saw this with the Bengals. Like people thought it was like funny to like mess with the Bengals and not really look at the situation fairly, just like just trash things just because it's the mangles or whatever. And, you know, it's because it's cool to hate on that. And it's like, right now, it's cool to hate on Baker. It's cool to hate on Freddie Kitchens. And I get where both of those things come from because they both done things that make you go, like, yeah, you don't make it easy on yourself, especially with Baker, less with Freddie. People just make fun of Freddie because he's Southern and fat, which is stupid to me. But, (laughs) you know, like, with Baker, like yeah, Baker. Baker gets in there. Baker replies to his mentions on Twitter, like ba- Baker. You know, he kind of gets he kind of gets back the same energy he puts out sometimes. That that is what it is. Yeah. But the press you know,
2: conferences.
0: yeah, the press <laughs> conferences, like you know, he he be out there sometimes, and you know, you just got to live with that. It's like have Marcus Peters on your team. Uh, yeah. But let
2: tell you, like coming up this week, though, <laughs> if Greg Robinson is in there. It, that that is a problem I, I think you're going to see. And, Ace, you had brought up the running game in this whole thing. If it, it, the Browns are watching anything at all that we watched uh, the last three weeks, when teams run to the middle of the field, which I think the Browns probably will, if they're running off tackle, it, it, in between the tackles, it doesn't bode well because Andrew Billings and Geno Atkins and Josh tupo are a hefty load that is hard to do it. The way to beat the Bengals <laughs> is to go outside. If, right. they go plays, if they go to the boundaries, the linebacking core for the Bengals do not have an answer at all. And one thing that I have observed also from the Browns this past week is, I don't know if Wilkes is coaching the corners to do this, but Greedy does not look like what I thought he, what he was in college, and Denzel isn't. He's like almost coaching them, almost like he's telling them to play the, the the jersey number and not play the ball. So they were really, really late on a lot of those plays, getting their head around when the ball is there. If that happens, Dalton is the king of throwing it when he sees your head is not turning it. His seam pattern to Eifert is, I think, is probably one of the most stolen played in the NFL, like, it's just this one thing where he just catches in the scene, where he throws it. Uh, if your linebacker has their head turned or whatever, he's just going to throw it right there. Eifert's going to go over top of him. Audit's going to go over top of him. And A.J. Green did it for a damn near a decade. So those are the two things that I will watch for. If they play the ball, they can pick Dalton off. They can have success. There's a lot of different things that you can exploit from the Bengals team. But I will tell you that the defensive front has been playing a whole lot better, and they are going – they're fully healthy and they're ferocious. So if you're saying Greg Robinson is in a con- concussion protocol, that is one thing that I would check out and I would look for, because Carlos Dunlap has been on a tear, and he's actually been named the AFC player of the week this past week.
0: That would be interesting. Um, as far as, like, with the Browns run game, um, you said, like, you don't the, – the boundaries are your weak spot in the run game? Yep. That's the only place that the Browns run the ball with Nick Chubb. So that might be a problem this week. Cool. They don't – because the Browns don't – yeah, because the way the Browns – because, like, I, I hear this from Browns fans. They're like, why don't we run it up the middle more? But if you watch a lot of Nick Chubb, and I don't know, you might have watched him a lot in Georgia, but he's his best when he's able to go and then cut downfield. And and for him running up the middle is really not what he's going to do. But I don't know. Our coaching staff might just decide this is the week to run up the middle uh, for no reason. Okay, <laughs> so let's do this. Let's
2: Let's get our final scores together. I want to start with you,
0: Quincy. What
2: do you got coming up Sunday, 1 o'clock? What's the score, Browns, Bengals? Who wins? Let's hear
0: it. I think it's going to be a shootout.
2: Shootout, Um, okay.
0: I think both teams are going to put up a good amount of points. I think I'm trying to make sure the score makes sense. But this is the first score that just popped up in my head. 36 31 and I oh, do think wow. the Browns are going to win.
2: I would yeah. love to see. I would love to see thirty-one from us in a week. <laughs> I would. I would. I would see twenty-four. Run. <laughs> I would love to see twenty-four because we haven't seen this. <laughs> we don't score. We don't score. <laughs> Our defense is legit right now. I promise you, but we do not score. And one thing that you were saying earlier that caught my attention is a lot of Browns fans are going to look at the defense when they give up points or whatever. But if they're not giving up more than seventeen points, I'm gonna be looking at the offense. Like, why ain't not you give me twenty one, twenty
1: four?
0: Yeah. So
2: that hasn't happened yet, so we're, we're we're waiting for that. Ace, what you
1: got? Man, uh, like I said, man, we haven't scored twenty four points this whole season. Um, but the X factor I think could be John Ross. Like, I think the last time we've actually put up some points has been because of him. Um, I'm gonna say based off. I'm I'm thinking that I'm going to probably bank on Baker Mayfield's stumping being an issue in this game cuz for me I feel like it could be one Carlos Dunlap sack off of the edge that could possibly have them sit him out of this game. I still think though that this game is going to be close, so I'm going to go with I'm going to go with uh, Bengals 27, Browns 24.
2: Yeah, mm, okay. I'm going to go really close to that, too. I'm going to say Brown's 24, Bengals' 17. We're taking Burrow if you didn't know, Quincy. And so we got a large well, – Not Chase Young? Question. That's actually – that's that's my <laughs> question for it's you, Quincy. Not Quince. Chase Young. We're we're trying to
1: get our Baker Mayfield. Sorry.
2: That's my not, last question for, for you, Quincy.
1: We're not doing that on this show. <laughs> yes, like, yes. Yeah, yeah, we have, have to. Face. We We have to do it on this one. Okay, you come from a standpoint where you guys – uh, passed on a quarterback right in 2017 you took Miles Garrett overtaking the quarterback right now obviously yeah, it kind it. of it kind of worked out for you guys cuz you went 0 in 16 the ne- basically the next season got the number 1 pick was able to get oh, yeah. Baker Mayfield we, we are it. thinking like we come from the school of thought that the Bengals aren't going to go 0-16 because somehow they'll figure out how to go, like, 7-9, and nine, 6 and whatever. So we won't have a shot that next year if we do take Chase Young to get that quarterback. But if you were in the Bengals' shoes, being that you come from a similar standpoint, right, mm-hmm. do you really think, like, it's obvious that the Bengals need a quarterback, do you really think that picking – Chase Young over a quarterback that they need that could be something that could do what Baker has done for you guys. Do you think that that's the right pick?
0: Mm. Yeah, now, if you mean, think, if, if, you think right Burrell, if you think Joe Burrow, if you think Joe Burrow is going to be a franchise quarterback, and you're convinced, you got to take Joe Burrow like that. My thing with a franchise quarterback is just like. When you draft that dude, like, I've seen the Browns draft dudes that, like, nobody was sold, like, half the front office was sold on. Like, if if the Bengals are sold on Joe Burrow, then they got to draft Joe Burrow. Or if they're sold on Tua, well, Tua's hurt. But if they're sold on anybody, they got to do it at that point. You got to pull the trigger on that. That's why in, like, what, that was 2017 the Browns did that you know, and, like, this is why I'm not as critical about when teams miss quarterbacks as other people are is because, like, you know, if the Browns would have drafted Deshaun Watson, like, half of the front office didn't believe in Deshaun Watson. So, like, then what what would the Browns have gotten? You know, like, you need to really be able to commit. Like, the reason the Texans are doing what they can do with Deshaun Watson is they traded up with the Browns at 12 to get Deshaun Watson. You know, the Chiefs trade it up to get their guy in Patrick Mahomes. And you know, sometimes that works out. You make you take that bet on the right guy. Sometimes it doesn't, but you gotta take the full bet and you gotta have everybody behind it. Um, now the year Miles Garrett went number one, the Browns did that, um you know, at that point when the Browns did that, you have to remember that year, there was no like clear cut number one who is, quarterback. When
2: was the first quarterback draft that year?
0: It was what was it Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky, Trubisky, Trubisky
2: that year? It was a, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. See, it was and, Mitchell Trubisky. And, 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 and that's and, a big <laughs> difference. That's
2: a big difference. Joe Burrow is smashing every record known to man right now. And <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky or say say Daniel Jones is on the clock or something. Yeah, I'd be talking to Joe Burrow is not that. I, think, I, I see I see what you're saying.
0: Think about this, whenever somebody tries to tell you that they know exactly what quarterback's gonna be great in the future. Mitchell Trubisky went too in that draft. Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson went after him. Yeah.
2: And it wasn't even
0: a big deal at the moment. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, but nobody saw that one coming. I honestly thought Deshaun, I would have been okay if they would have picked Deshaun Watson number one overall that year. I, I was I on that train. That. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Deshaun Watson was that dude after watching them in Clemson. And I don't even like Clemson football but I liked Deshaun Watson because I was like, "Nah, that dude's a baller. Yeah, Um, his
1: resume, that was weird to me that year because his resume was, like, impeccable. Like, dude went to the championship two years in a row, balled out two for 500 yards against Alabama two years in a row. I mean, mean,
0: they're like
1: an NFL, basically, NFL junior defense. So, to me, I was kind of scratching my head there. But I'm going
0: to do one of these things where, like, I ain't got to say it, but if you know what I'm talking about, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Ain't it crazy that Trevor Lawrence only beat Alabama once, and they already talk about him as the number one overall pick, but look at Deshaun Rock- <laughs> Watson's record, and right,
2: right, right. he
0: got picked 12th. Right. I ain't got to say nothing after that. We all know what that is. Right. <laughs> good good close out
2: right there. Quincy, tell everybody where they can find you at. Thank you so much
0: for coming on Orange is the New uh, Black podcast. But let them know where they can find you at again. Uh no problem. Uh, you guys can find me on YouTube, Quincy Carrier, Q U I N C Y C A R R I E R. Find me on Twitter, Quincy K W E N underscore C. Find me on Instagram at worst underscore take. Um, you know, there I just I just kind of talk football, kind of goof around sometimes. You know, uh, like to like to do the whole thing during the season. Got a new video out this week about how we're how uh, the media is kind of terrible at evaluating quarterbacks. Check it out. It's NFL team friendly, all the stuff there. So, uh, everybody, thank you all for having me on, and uh, check it out.
2: Yeah, all appreciate right. it, bro. Yeah,
0: no hey, got
2: any closing marks before we sign off today? Orange is the new black, black podcast.
0: Not at all. Let's get it. Who they? Who they? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs>